Caffeine is a popular go-to supplement for many athletes, and for good reason. Not only is it the key component of one of the world's most widely used legal drugs, and I'm talking about coffee here, people, it is also a sports supplement that is well supported by scientific evidence. Caffeine can offer a performance-enhancing benefit by providing a small but worthwhile enhancement of performance over a range of exercise situations, from short-duration events right through to endurance events. In this podcast, I'll look at the role of caffeine specifically in resistance exercise and outline what could be the minimum amount needed for a benefit. Of all the popular sports supplements, caffeine is in the rare air of a select few supplements that have the evidence behind them to support a benefit. In fact, caffeine was one of the few supplements to get the tick in the 2018 IOC consensus statement on dietary supplements for use by high-performance athletes. And I'll link to this background document in the show notes. So let's go over a summary of those benefits. Caffeine use has been seen to improve endurance capacity such as exercise, time to fatigue and endurance-based time trial activities of varying durations. And this endurance benefit is seen across cycling, running, rowing and many other sports. To put some numbers to those benefits, caffeine consumed during endurance exercise can enhance a cycling time trial performance by between 3 and 7%. During short-term, maximal effort and repeated sprint tasks, caffeine taken around an hour before exercise results in performance gains of about 3% for task completion time, as well as an increase in mean power output and peak power output during anaerobic activities of 1 to 2 minutes in duration. While for repeat sprinting performances during intermittent team game activities such as soccer, a 1 to 8% improvement is typically seen. So how much caffeine do you need to take? Although early research was conducted using very high doses of caffeine, up to about 6 milligrams of caffeine per kilogram of body weight, more recent research indicates that lower doses can provide similar performance benefits, with very few negative side effects. But individual responses to caffeine vary, but typically doses in the range of 1 to 3 milligrams of caffeine per kilogram of body weight are sufficient to improve performance. But filling out those recommendations a bit more, and applying them to a sports-specific situation, a recent review looked at the minimum effective dose of caffeine that could be needed for resistance exercise. Previous work in this area has found that there is a performance-enhancing effect of caffeine on muscular strength, endurance, velocity, and power. So what is the minimum effective dose of caffeine needed to cause an ergogenic effect in resistance exercise? This is an important question to ask, considering very high doses of caffeine can cause fairly severe side effects, such as increased heart rate, anxiety and overarousal, combined with sleep disturbances and gastrointestinal upsets. A recent meta-analysis published in May of 2022 set out to answer the question of the minimum 
effective dose of caffeine needed in resistance exercise. In all, 12 randomized controlled trials involving over 200 healthy participants were included, and I'll link to this study in the show notes. The caffeine doses in the included trials range from 0.9 to 2 milligrams per kilogram of body weight and were taken between 25 minutes to 60 minutes before exercise. So to put that dose of caffeine into context, for an 80 kilogram person, a dose of 1 milligram per kilogram of body weight of caffeine is what you would expect to find in a cup of coffee. Though more about coffee versus caffeine supplements near the end of this episode. So what were the findings of the review? Overall, low-dose caffeine was able to increase muscle strength and endurance and mean velocity. And the magnitude of these effects was similar to prior studies that used higher doses of caffeine. So it looks positive for caffeine yet again in sport. But a big disclaimer, not everybody responds the same to caffeine. And there is some evidence that this could be because of genetics where the presence or absence of genetic variations in a gene called CYP1A2 can mean a person is either a rapid or slow metabolizer of caffeine. And this could explain some of the variation responses to caffeine seen in clinical trials, because all those benefits are averages. Some people get an additional benefit, some people actually show no benefit. So there's a lot of individual variation. And then there is a potential issue of habituation. That is where for frequent and high-dose caffeine consumers, higher doses of caffeine may be required to give the same physiologic effect previously observed with low caffeine doses. So that's just another way of saying that everybody's mileage will vary with caffeine. So how does caffeine work its magic? Caffeine is a stimulant that elicits many physiological and psychological effects in the body. While its mechanism of benefit is not fully understood, caffeine may enhance alertness, reduce the perception of fatigue, improve vigilance and alertness, and change the perception of work effort during exercise. It can also increase motor unit recruitment and muscle contractility, making the whole musculoskeletal system work more efficiently. There are also neurotransmitter effects and increases in endorphin release, which can increase feelings of wellness and give you the exercise high that people often experience after working out. Caffeine is readily absorbed and reaches peak concentration in the blood one hour after taking it, and it is maintained for three to four hours. So it is the 60-minute window just before exercise that is the best time to take it, and then top up with additional dosage during endurance events of several hours in duration. If 1 to 2 milligrams of caffeine per kilogram of body weight is effective for resistance exercise, how does that translate to foods and beverages? A typical average espresso can contain around 100 milligrams of caffeine. But because the caffeine content of coffee can be quite variable, then the use of caffeine tablets, such as Nodos, are popular. Then there are the popular energy drinks, energy shots, and gels, which can contain caffeine, in which case the caffeine dosage should be given on the label, 
For example, a Red Bull contains 80 milligrams of caffeine per can, but there are energy drinks that contain even higher doses. Tea, chocolate and cola can also be sources of caffeine, but the amount in them is much lower. The research field of caffeine has mostly used it in a pure form, with very little research looking at real-world use by drinking coffee. And for good reason, as the caffeine content of coffee can be so variable. But there could be other beneficial chemicals in the coffee bean outside of the caffeine. So the one point for budding athletes to be aware of is the amount of caffeine in coffee can be quite variable, meaning it is hard to know exactly what dose a person is having. So let's wrap all this up. Caffeine is one of the few nutritional supplements for which research has consistently shown a sports performance benefit. The use of all supplements and sports foods by athletes, though, involves a balance between the potential benefits set against potential risks such as health, side effects, anti-doping rule violations from contamination, and redirection of resources from real performance-enhancing factors. So take this into account when considering taking any sports supplement, and seek out personalized advice from a sports dietitian. You can connect with an accredited sports dietitian as well as access a great range of resources through the website of Sports Dietitians Australia at www.sportsdietitians.com.au. So that's it for today's show. You can find the show notes either in the app you're listening to this podcast on if it supports it or else head over to my webpage at thinkingnutrition.com.au and click on the podcast section to find this episode to read the show notes. If you find this podcast of value, then please consider sharing it with your friends and colleagues, or maybe even leave a review. This all helps increase the ranking and reach of the podcast, which means a big win for credible, evidence-based nutrition messages while helping to dilute out the crazy and making the world a slightly less confusing place. I'm Tim Crow and you've been listening to Thinking Nutrition.